Welcome to Sex, Lies, and the Truth, a podcast devoted to the stories of people discovering biological family they didn't know about, digging for the truth, and learning who they really are. I'm Jody Klugman-Rab, a licensed marriage and family therapist with my own DNA story. My name is Christina Fitzgibbons. I'm a genetic and investigative genealogist. We are here with a very special story about Jody's family. We're here to talk about siblings. I'm actually really excited about this one because it was one of my cases. I was really uh, proud to share the details of it with people. I, I t- every single person knows the story. That they're always like, whatever happened with... You mean I'm famous? You're really famous. You're the woman that had possibly three different scenarios going down. So I'm going to introduce the world to my brother, Hello, brother. Meet the world. Hello. How are y'all? <laughs> this is long-time, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> this is Sean Williams, who lives in Tennessee, remotely on the phone with us today. I thought it would be fun to hear from Sean how we met and how he came to know about his secret sister. So take it away, big brother. I had gotten a call from our father pretty much a few minutes after you had left. I, I think on previous episodes you've talked about showing up and tracking them down like a Nazi war criminal. I do have some clandestine yeah. video that Ben took that father will probably be hearing about for the first time when he listens yeah. to this, but I may post that on the website just so listeners can see it. So he calls me, and we have that relationship where we don't talk a whole lot uh, just randomly, so it was kind of weird that he had called out of the blue. And this was a few months after he had had heart surgery. So I was a little concerned. He proceeded to tell me the story and he was kind of freaked out about it. And my, my uh, reaction was to laugh hysterically because I thought, well, this could go no other way. That he had known uh, about it, but you know, things being what they were, and it'd be in the 70s. Uh, he was at some point invited to leave the party. And, uh, <laughs> and you're right about the 70s. It's the, the Bay Area, Marin County in particular. And this yeah. was 1973 when I was conceived. So there was a lot of fun to be had. And the summer of 69 and the summer of love and all that stuff really didn't stop in 69. Right. Mm-hmm. Kept going. And, and it's always been my contention that the 70s were much wilder than the 60s. It became uh, a lot more commonplace. It wasn't just something that hippies did on, in communes. It, it, it's something that uh, uh, suburbanites <laughs> did at uh, key parties. That's and right. so, you know, he, he told me the story. And I'm like, okay, certainly makes sense given what I know about people being people. I had gotten your name wrong at the time when he told it, because there was a lot of information coming at the, at, at the time. So and by the time I got off the phone, I thought your last name was Crab. Um, <laughs> so as I'm trying to Google stock you later, I'm looking for a Jody Crab with a K. Luckily, I was able to sort that out. But, you know, I, I think it, I think it kind of, you know, it, it, it certainly opened up maybe an old wound. Uh, you know, he certainly told me that he'd, he'd never stop thinking about you. And he, he has told me a story before when his parents came to visit once there at that house. And once they got a, a look at you, that he thought, well, the jig's up. I'm, I'm not getting this one past mom. She's going <laughs> to take one look at that kid, one look at me, and, and know what's what. 
Yeah, and in hindsight, looking at those photos, I can see why. And, so, and she did or didn't? She didn't say anything. Oh. Um, you know, and he was pretty worried, and, and as, as he, he, he usually doesn't filter his opinions, and he said, well, after she wore my ass out about uh, when you came around, I didn't want to hear it. Uh, when this one came around, so good time. I can see that. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I just I left it at that and told my wife, and we had a good chuckle out of all this. How did you break it to Erica? Erica is your wife. I said, "Well, I have some news. I have a sister," and <laughs> just kind of went from there. And you know, nothing terribly. Yeah, I I can't. Of all the things that we felt, I don't think shock was one of those things. You know, I huh. I think in a lot of these situations. That certainly that y'all talked about the podcast, there, there are people who are just completely blown away by this revelation. Yep. And we're, we're fairly nonplussed about it. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, and that's because, well, you- yeah, that's because you um, told her you had a sister and not a child, an unknown child. Right. Um, and we're, we're still waiting for that shoe to drop. Oh, so. nice. Oh, that's going to be next well, season. <laughs> you know, we're not sure that this, this uh, cycle has been broken yet. Is um, just you, like, you know, trying to, like, test the waters in terms of how people are going to react to the news? <laughs> I'm just saying, yes, the 70s were a wild time. Well, yeah. the 80s were a lot of fun, too. Yeah. You know right, and, and there have been plenty of people that I've met over the years, friends of mine and, and, and friends of my uh, family, who've had the exact same situation come up. Oh, interesting. And it's it's... As we have seen, certainly in the last year, this is a lot more common than, than is normally talked about. Yes. Oh, everybody's got something really juicy. But don't you think that it's how you respond or deliver the news that is how you can manage the um, reaction you'll get in terms of using humor, right? Yeah. Or, like, just losing your mind that I'm always trying to tell people, I'm like, it, it's okay. Right, and and I think that that it's important, and certainly from some of the ones that we've we've heard on, on previous episodes of your podcast, the, the the most damaging thing people can do is bring shame to the party. I agree. Because that's what all of these emotions that people wind up having are always shame based, and it it doesn't help. These stories seem to always begin with shame, and that triggers a continuity of the lie and. And it becomes a snowball. Well, and you've backed yourself into a corner, and it's not like you just lied about your speeding ticket. You're like, all right, now I've been I've been holding on to this lie, and you know, like it takes on a life of its own. Well, it's also you're like it's kind of thinking back and how you're going to backtrack that far with so many people. So here's what I'm impressed with: as you describe, he called you within minutes of my departure, which was very early on Labor Day weekend on a Sunday morning. I I was under the impression that he was going to take his sweet time to disclose this to any of the family. So I was on edge for days wondering, (laughs) how long is this going to take? When in reality, it took very little time at all. He outed himself to everybody in one day. Yeah, I think think this is a secret he's been carrying around. And he waited for our grandmother to die. That was his plan was he didn't want this getting out until she was gone. Ah. And she passed away. Mm. A couple, three years ago, maybe maybe five years ago. Okay. I wonder now if uh, this had happened sooner and he met Jody and all this kind of stuff, if he would have really wanted her to know because he would have not cared about her reaction. Yeah, was. I I think I think he would have been fine with it. It would have been a you know uh, a tougher conversation because 
our uh, our grandmother did have a reputation of she could she could wear those boys out with uh, okay. with some well placed words. She was kind of a ball buster, yeah. Uh-huh. She was kind of a ball buster, and oh, she was she was something else. I always enjoyed time spent with her because um, <laughs> she was going to give you her unvarnished opinion whether you wanted it or not. And our our fathers are very much the same way. Yes. And you know, I, I, all credit to him was since that confrontation day on Labor Day weekend. He hasn't shied away or shirked and has been very, you know, up, up front about it all. He really has. He as, really stepped up. As he, as he, as he should be. But first, and, <laughs> first he turned me away. Uh, well, right. you know, I would too. Because ah. I tell people, don't go to people's house. Don't go to people's house. And she um, was, I ignored that. Yeah, she's like, you know, I'm going. And, and see, he didn't know really who you were or where you were coming from right. at first. So he's going to have his guard up. Yeah, I get that. You know, he thought you were some kind of bill collector or whatever. He lives a, a fairly private life. Right. And if you show up at his door looking for Tim McLeod and don't know that you're talking to him, <laughs> he's not going to give up that info <laughs> easily. I agree. You know? I agree with that. He sent a text. How long after? To me? Yeah. It was almost a week Later. So it was Petra's birthday. It was my We're daughter's birthday. birthday. It was, I think it was her birthday, or it was the day before. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And he called to say, happy birthday to Petra. Well, he texted and said, tell her happy birthday, and he was very specific that she say it was from him. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, game changer. I, yeah. I think I said... Um, you have a dad. And you were like, really? And I go, oh, yeah, he's in. You yeah. would not ever out yourself to a grandchild and make sure she knows it's from me. And I go, oh, we're done. Broken the ice officially. How long after that had you and I first made contact? Like, a- uh, I, I was looking that up the other day because <laughs> I save all the receipts. Um, <laughs> I, as, as I had told the rest of my family and everybody's asking, all right, well, what's your next move? I, I, I don't have a next move. What's your next move? This, this isn't really my story. Yeah, what are you going to do? You know with what this I mean? <laughs> and I, I said, well, let's let's first uh, stalk this woman on social media, see what's up. And let's uh, check her political views. We want to see what kind of music she listens to. Well, I, I did a lot of that math when I saw, oh, Marin County therapist and Jewish. I think we can figure out all of <laughs> all of that. It does check a lot of boxes off. I almost had bingo on my stereotype <laughs> card. And I, I remember using this phrase. I said, this is not my burden to bear. Right. Uh, and I'm not going to stick my, my nose in this right off the bat because I, I felt like she's got a lot to process with this. Right and I didn't know how far along in that process you were. Yeah. Knowing that, hey, this guy's my father. I have right. I have uh, extended family members. You know, I'm not just going to come knocking on your door, flashing pictures. So, right. so I yeah. actually remember now. You contacted me via Facebook, I think. An hour later. No, it was um, like a week later because yeah. it was when I had first published on my professional Facebook site this whole revelation, and you had said, <laughs> I figured since you came out with it, you were ready to hear from me. And that was about a week after I met yeah. Tim, father. That, that, was, that was a week. I, I, I remember that now. That was a week later. I, I reached out to you and I said, I'm your brother from another mother. Literally. Just said, hey, if you want to talk sometime, I'm available. Here's my number. She, and, and did uh, she call you like I think three seconds? We finally, we finally did talk. There were the, the fires up there at Napa. 
Oh, yes. And, the North uh, Bay fires. I got to talking to Tim about that and about uh, what NIOSH-rated respirators one should wear during a forest fire. Yep. And, uh, you know, if, if you can't do anything else, try to be helpful. So I was, uh, I think I reached out to you saying, hey, I wanted to talk to you before your house burnt down and tell you what respirator you should be using. <laughs> because I'm your brother. Because right. I'm your older brother. Because I'm your older brother. Yeah, exactly. But we had been communicating via text for a while, I guess almost uh, three weeks or so until those fires broke out. And then you were thinking better of it, and maybe I should actually talk to her before she dies. <laughs> right. <laughs> Perishes. Before the entire state. The entire state goes up like a right. Like and a pack of children's pajamas. Because I think we had we had sort of set it up that we might not speak on the phone until we met in person for the first time, which was to take place that November last right. year in Atlanta. Because I was speaking at an ADHD conference there. And you and Erica came down so that you and I could meet. Actually, Ben and I had met Erica before we even met you. That's right. I sent her, I sent her as my spy to find out, all right, I need you to go find out what's up with these people. <laughs> with these hooligans. <laughs> did, she, did she provide some good intel to you? She did. Everything she said was right on the money and said that y'all were, you know, just the wonderful folks. And I was lucky to have you as my sister. You want to take it from there because you're such a good storyteller. Well, thank you. We weren't at the Peachtree Plaza. It was the Atlanta Hilton, I Something think. Something like that. The one with Trader Vic in the ground floor. Yep. So we had checked in, gotten changed, because we drove down from Nashville, and had talked to you on the phone and said, hey, well, let's meet down there and have drinks. And, you know, everybody, our, our spouses have got their cell phones at the ready for the big for the big meet, or that was the plan. And as we went to get on the elevator, the elevator's doors open, and there y'all are. So it completely foiled their plans to have a video record of what was going on yep. once we saw each other yeah. and had a big hug. So then we had to restage it, I think, for the cameras. <laughs> sort of, yeah. We, we have a, another half-assed video from Ben, again, because he wasn't ready, like you said. And it, it kind of was the same video that we had when I first met Tim kind of shooting literally from the hip so that it it wasn't quite ready. You don't see a lot of faces. It's just kind of the squealing. and <laughs> Yeah, we're, we weren't going to win any awards for that one. No, and then, uh, and then we restaged the photos downstairs in front of the Trader Vic sign, and then we proceeded to have the Suffering Bastard cocktail and got a good laugh over that. And just how run down that Trader Vic is. It's pretty uh, pathetic. But it was the it, perfect it was- place for a first meeting. And we had and we had a great. Uh, I think that was a great weekend of you know just kind of hanging out and you know going to dinner and chatting. I, I like the irony of you couldn't focus while you were uh, speaking at an ADHD conference. That <laughs> would seem to be what you're supposed to be. It's all about getting kids to focus, right? And I couldn't focus at all. <laughs> yeah, I was constantly thinking about, oh my god, my brother's here. That's all I can think about. <laughs> and the other strange thing that happened that weekend was my mom and our father got together for the first time in, what, 44 years uh, in order to take my kids out to dinner and, I think, Jacob's basketball game. And we end up FaceTiming with them at dinner. Oh, I yeah. yeah. Do you remember that? How strange that we have pictures of us <laughs> oh, FaceTiming gosh. with that was good. my parents <laughs> together. It was so weird. It, it, was, it was odd. It was something I have always wished for my entire life. I remember it vividly as a kid. 
I really wish I had an older brother. And I think it was based on the fact that we had actually met and probably some sort of intuitive connection that I, I, maybe we both had. I don't know. So do you both remember having met each other? Well, I was an infant. Oh, okay. Or a toddler. Okay. Okay. So you were a toddler. Okay. At, at, At the time, my parents were divorced. And my father was living in uh, Corte Madera, in your house. And I flew up for a weekend back in the days when you just throw a kid on an airplane and fly him up from Los Angeles, which is where we were living, and spent a long weekend at Tim. And I kind of remember, I kind of don't. And when, when he called me on the street, he said, do you remember that weekend you came up and we did this, that, and the other, and... And that, that couple I was living with had a baby, and I'm like, yeah, kind of, I guess. Who was who the couple, and why did they have you, but he was there, but he wasn't? So you, you came to visit Tim, our father, our biological father, at his house, because he was renting a room from my mom and her then-husband. And they were, gosh, I don't know how, how long into their marriage they were, maybe 11 years or so. And how old were you when you came to do this? You were seven or eight? 74, I was eight. He was their realtor. He had, I believe, sold them the house. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, yes, that was the only way I could find him, was yeah. his real estate license. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, re- I remember the trip, and I remember some right. of the things we did. And I remember there was like a little dog, and I fed it chicken bones. and got yelled at about it. Did you remember you know? the baby or the... Or not I, vaguely, or not really. I, I vaguely, vaguely, I yeah. remember the baby, but it's not like hey, the three of us went and did stuff. You know, it's <laughs> not like we, hey, let's all go down to Fisherman's Wharf together. Most of most <laughs> of my memories is just myself and Tim. Right? Yeah, yeah, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. And why were you not introduced to your baby sister? You know, at eight at that time, you probably thought that she was this, this other couple, baby. Yeah, of the couple. Why am I meeting right. this random baby? Yeah, and I think because they were trying to keep it lined up with the paperwork as far as whose who's kid was whose. And, right. and, and the paperwork said that her husband, whose name was Sam, that he was my dad. So he's my right. birth certificate father. Right. So it's just in terms of, like, they were trying to keep up the guys. So mom and her husband, Sam, who was a major in the Army and posted in the San Francisco Presidio, he wasn't around very much. So they didn't have much of a relationship. And they were rather unhappily married. And so mom did what any normal man or woman would do and found other ways to enjoy herself. And Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody can fault her for that. Well, that was pretty common, I think. pretty common and totally understandable given this situation. (laughs) Where it veers off into territory unknown is whether or not mom really understood who was the dad, the biological dad. Mm Mm-hmm. Because uh, there were a few players mm-hmm. in, well, yeah, on, on, the, on the scene, right. and um, she picked one. She happened to pick probably the best option. He was a great dad. He, he wasn't one or two. He was neither the man she was married to at the time, nor was it Tim, Dad McLeod. It was door number three, therefore my, my three dads. <laughs> so she picked him, and he made a great dad for... The rest of his life, he died at 50, unfortunately. But uh, that's, that's therefore the reason for the ruse. Wow. Even though it was the 70s, it was still not okay for women to express their sexuality in the way a man would. Right, right. And to boot, she came from a very conservative Catholic family. 
this was her second marriage. She was going to have a kid out of, well, not necessarily out of wedlock, but with a man who wasn't the father. Right. So there was a lot of shame entering into it as well, and the lie became reality. So where does that leave you, Sean? When you left, did you have any any inkling, like I had said earlier? I Maybe I had picked up on it as a little kid and realized some sort no. of connection? No. No, not soon after that. So by 77, we had moved to Georgia. Mm. So I had not had any kind of close relationship with Tim once we'd moved to the other side of the country. and became, you know, Christmas, birthdays, the occasional phone call yeah. and card. So I still had no inkling as to what was going on, whether I had a sister. Um, I did always feel that I'm missing a connection with part of my family. Yeah. In, in that way. And and I, you know, never felt like I had anybody on that side of the family who was, you know, close to my peer age, whereas there's definitely a sense of, you know, there, there's something missing there, but I don't know what it is. That goes into that whole concept of the inalienable bond of biology that I keep writing about in my blogs and stuff. It's this strange pull that is hard to explain because you have no context when it's going on, but now in hindsight, it starts to make sense. Yeah, very much so. There are folks that would like to say, well, this is all, you know, part of our society, and this is all created by the uh, uh, evil, uh, tyrannical patriarchy, but it's really biological. Yeah. I agree. It's, yeah. All, it's yeah. all biologically driven. Yeah, people want to have sex. Right. And yeah, people, they, yeah. people want to have sex, and sometimes whether they know it or not, they want to make a baby. True. <laughs> <laughs> Even though mentally it's like, I don't want to have kids, there's something in you that, that pushes you towards behavior that makes those children. And, you know, there's something in that behavior that says, hey, I'm going to pick the father of my child that's going to be the better provider over the long term. And doesn't it make sense that the people who are going to be the most judgmental are the people oh. that maybe have the most to hide? They oh, have yeah. the in most this situation. to hide. Yeah. They, oh, a exactly. Good way to throw the stink off of them by pointing it at somebody else. It's yeah. the who farted theory of DNA <laughs> analysis. Well, you know what? She smelt it and she dealt it. <laughs> there was a time when I was working with you, Christina, and all this was unfolding where you were, you were pretty much telling me that everybody in my family had some sort of secret or was not related to me in some way or another. And I was right. like, you, you're, you're kind of blowing my mind and I can't take anymore. I have to be related to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Once you started putting everything together, like the paperwork she had and some of the little stories and tidbits that her mother had provided, as you're building this puzzle together, it was all sort of fitting. You're like, oh, yes. Yes. No, now I see what happened. Yes. Yeah. It I'm, was just, yeah, it was many I years learned, later. I learned to trust everything you said, <laughs> except for the don't go to his house. You felt safe enough to go with your husband as a, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think I knew on some level that I was only going to get answers by going and dealing with him mm -hmm. directly. And mm -hmm. not knowing anything about this guy, that was absolutely the right thing to do. Right. He would not have responded as he wasn't to anything else. So I, I had to kind of corner yeah. it and be like, look, I'm not going away. This yeah, has exactly. To, you have to acknowledge me in some way. In hindsight, there were a lot of people who had betrayed her by knowing this secret and participating in keeping it going, yeah. like keeping this story going. And so if you think about, in reality... A lot of people knew her story, but she didn't. So it was very hard to hear from 
or just, you know, it's not hard, but just unbelievable. That's just not possible. She would say to me, I go, what about blah, blah, blah. And she go, well, no, but why would anybody do that? I go, because they can. And they did. Clearly Jody's an adult now. Her story was being sort of, um, manipulated by other people and what she knew and what she would find this out. This is very common with every yep, other parental identifier or yeah. MPE out there. Everybody says the same thing, that they kind of have to fight for it to be their own story and to make their own decisions, regardless of how other people feel about it. So that's definitely yeah. an issue here as well. But <laughs> Like, but did you look in the mirror and not <laughs> wonder anything? Oh, my whole life. Yeah, exactly. Only redhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not, like, charge forward, even after you had your uh, DNA results and your basic ethnicity results. Oh, my God. It was four-ish years before it even occurred to me what that really meant. I was or could just mean. not yeah. ready psychologically yeah. to deal with it. Right. And I was not available at that time to help you. <laughs> I know you weren't. I didn't know you. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know me when you reached out to me. It was just the timing, right? I was just ready. Well, by the time I had landed on Tim's doorstep. It was probably 10 months since I had originally figured out what was going on. And some months after that, I had hired Christina. So I was very well prepared by the time, Sean, you and I had connected. I was really prepared for for all of it. I wanted as much connection and communication as possible and nothing was happening fast enough. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, then she went on a, a trip to Scotland, I think, or something. And yeah. I kind of had a pretty good idea of what was going on at that point. Yeah. So that was interesting how that yeah. happened. We had just landed at our Airbnb in Inverness in the highlands of Scotland. And you <laughs> text me and you're right. like, you're, you're definitely Scottish. I have a name for you, but I'm not going to give it to you until you come back because I just want to tie up a few loose ends. <laughs> and my stomach literally hit the floor. <laughs> And I went, well, what are the chances that that would be true while I'm here? I'm, like, in the motherland, so to speak. It wasn't, the, it was pretty quickly, too, I think. We, it was, it, it all, was two yeah. months. It took you two yeah. months. Actually, yeah. I think it took you less than that. You just couldn't find his residential listing address because yeah. he was living, renting a room from my mom. Yeah, so he didn't, he didn't he, really own anything. He didn't and, own anything. Yeah, I couldn't find a lot of stuff, so I yeah. couldn't place him here. So Ben and I, my husband immediately went down after getting that news because I think I started crying pretty much immediately. We went down to the corner store and got, I think, two bottles of scotch and, and, finished, and finished one pretty quickly. <laughs> I was having a pretty hard time. <laughs> I actually like that part of the story, that you were in Scotland. I was like, oh, this is so great. And literally that day we went out to the battlefield of Culloden, which was where pretty much everything ended for Scotland before England officially took over forever. <laughs> and um, I kind of liked the juxtaposition of the notion of a battlefield because it kind of felt like that for me. The battle was just starting now because now you had to really get... Like, I had to confront people now. Yeah. Like, yeah. And this is a part that... I kind of, like, secretly enjoy. I'm like, oh, it's going down. You're a sadist. I, I know. But I was also, like, really wanted to make sure that you did it mm-hmm. and did it the way that you wanted to. I wanted Jody to have so much information that she was the one who was driving the story yes. so that it was not going to get offline with, you know, maybe some inaccuracies or untruths. I had some good advice from a cousin of mine on the Klugman side who I adore and has felt like a brother to me before I had a biological brother. So Jeff is a retired cop, 
and he gave me great advice. And he said, do not interrogate anybody or disclose any information until you have all the information yourself. Right, exactly. And that worked out beautifully. It did. That is good advice. So here's a funny tidbit. As I'm meeting with Tim that first weekend, Labor Day weekend 2017, and he's being uh, kind of vague with some information and details. It's kind of driving me crazy by the end. He disclosed that I had a brother, but he wouldn't tell me anything about you other than you lived in Tennessee. Right. So I was chomping at the bit, like, I, I want his phone number. Can I have his phone number? And he actually told me, you need to slow down. This can't go that fast. And I was so upset. I was like, so if I can't have the relationship that I think I want with Tim, how am I going to get to brother right. if he's not going to give me the information? Right. Don't be the impediment to right. the other relationship that I really, really want. At that point, Tim is trying to manage how this part is going to go. But in actuality, this is where a lot more damage can happen because now he has a little bit of control over how the story mm-hmm. is told to the siblings. Uh, so sometimes you have found that um, they get in there and... Manipulate um, the truth. Not in this scenario necessarily, but in many of them where they've now damaged or you know, created some conflict with regard to the siblings. If he had said, don't tell him, well, I don't want him to know, you're not ever, obviously not obligated to... Right, but that's thinking that comes after the fact. In the beginning, you're like, holy crap, I'm not allowed to. What's wrong? Everybody does that. They don't want to... I'm to be hidden still. Right, and you also don't want to upset this person who you've just met. Right. And you're trying to keep that, you know, sort of stable in the beginning. But there's been other situations where a parent has said, I don't want you to tell... My other children that you exist. It's oh, so hurtful. It is so unbelievable. You're like, you know, I don't want them to be disappointed in me, or I don't want them to, to know this shame about me. From Tim's perspective, he has had decades of knowing this is a time bomb that could go off at some time. <laughs> I love that it's a time bomb, but that he was very um, open to it very, very quickly. But mm-hmm. I think he wanted to manage. You know, if there's mm-hmm. damage control to be done, right. you know, he wanted he wanted damage me control. to hear it from him, which I have great respect on. Yeah. And if you had come and contacted me directly, this I'm not saying different. it wouldn't have gone as smoothly, but right. it, I liked, you know, he he stepped up and told me what was going on. Yeah. You know, right. if somebody contacts you out of the blue, it's much harder for you to wrap your mind around unless you hear it from that person. It's, you know, those right. scams that are going around where... Old people are getting contacted on the phone. Hey, Grandma, I'm in jail. I need oh, you to wire me yes, money. And then yes. they wire and the grandma money. Grandma does. Hey, I'm your long-lost sister. Uh, okay, you're going to have to give me a minute and, and let me get right. some corroborating evidence before mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to buy this. Him calling me and letting me know, well, that, you know, I know that's the truth. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Right, exactly. So and, and, and I agree I, with I, that. Yeah. I bypass the whole, well, we need to get, we need to get some uh, verification on that. Right. When and, he said, yeah. yep. It's her, and I've known her, and I was in her life, you know, first two years of her life, and, you know, all that. I'm like, okay, moving on. You know, he wasn't saying to her permanently, you will never do it. Right. So he played the game right. It's just the difficulty in matching their pace, because I had had 10 months to adjust and now I was ready, and because I was ready, I wanted it to go as fast as possible. Right. And now I had to slow down again and wait for somebody else to catch up. And it's, right. it's almost painful. If you think about it, he got in contact with me that very day. The only way he could have done it faster for you is if he'd put us on a three-way call. Right. 
you know, when you showed up. Exactly. So looking at it from a higher elevation, you're like, okay, well, that makes sense. It does, And and it certainly worked out for the best. For sure. And the day that you contacted me, I experienced such elation. I was literally on a high for hours. And I think that afternoon we were scheduled to go back over to Tim's house because we were on our way to my son Jacob's baseball tournament some 60 miles away past his house in the East Bay. So we were going to stop and see him and introduce the kids. And that was going to be their first day meeting their biological grandfather. And I crashed because I had been on such a high that day. I, I crashed and I fell asleep hard in the car before we got there and, and felt like I almost couldn't function. It was such a roller coaster. Well, that's a big event. Your kids are now like, wait, who's that? Who's this person? Yeah. My son Connor wanted me to bring up what the effect on the grandchildren is. Excellent. How did Petra and Jake take this news? So surprisingly nonchalant. Petra in particular, because she's young, she was nine, eight, eight at the time, just turning nine. And I don't think she fully understood what was going on. It was just kind of magical (laughs) thinking, really, like, oh, this is happening now. Okay. Jacob had questions, and I answered them. And I I gave him the PG version. But he already knew what what it meant. Yeah. He was all for it. I took them out for yogurt to break the news. <laughs> break the news. Pretty much break the news. You, you've you got a grandfather that's just coming out of the blue, and uh, please don't ask what that means. <laughs> <laughs> now eat your fro-yo. Uh, eat, eat yeah, your fro-yo. I, and I think Connor was the same way. It's like, okay, you've got, um, you've got a new aunt and uncle and cousins, and he's like, okay. See, isn't it funny you how know? kids nowadays take that news? So just roll with it. Well, and also, I will say, it probably was your delivery with your kids and that you, one, were telling them this. You Mm -hmm. weren't hiding it. I'm sure it was because you were open and you were telling them and they were well-adjusted to sort of take it and deal with it. I think it's funny that Connor really wanted to um, address that. Thank you, Connor. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, a really good question. It begs a second question that I had asked Ben as a listener to the podcast if you were hearing from the siblings, what would you want to know? And he said, I would want to know how the spouses handled it. Ooh. Yes. Because yeah. it was harder for Ben than I realized. I'm only now starting to understand what it was like for Ben. What was it like for Erica? She's loved it. She loves having another girl in the family. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we've got all boys. Most of uh, our nieces and nephews are boys. So that was a plus for her. Uh, you know, she, she's been all for it and very excited at every turn and super supportive. And I think the difference is, for you, this probably became something that became all-consuming. It t- absolutely was. Oh Still my, is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. She was uh, and, tech, doing some texting every once in a while. And are you really sure? Yeah, there was a lot of denial. Yeah, a lot of denial. Yeah. And I was like... There is absolutely 100% no way this is not true. (laughs) Erica is probably one of the nicest people I have ever met in my life. And I don't mean to say that casually or as an exaggeration as some people say it. She truly is. So I I can see that she has been authentically really excited about the whole thing. She doesn't have very many, uh, I would say, duplicitous bones in her body. No. You know, she has a horrible poker face. <laughs> so if, if you needed to see what she was thinking, you just got to look at her. That's true. And, and she'll, she'll let you know. Has she ever felt that you didn't have enough time for her because of this? 
I don't think so. And in fact, at one point, I apologized to her, or no, I can't even say it was an apology. I said something to the effect of, hey, I, I really appreciate your understanding and everything through this getting to know Jody and uh, her coming into our lives. And she looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, well, what what else would I do? Right. And, yeah. and and that's kind of been our philosophy. You know, you, we've seen these where the, the siblings, all of a sudden they feel threatened. Their relationship with their parent is, right. is under attack. And, and we've been nothing but delighted and happy by this development. And how else would we react? Right. Of course, you know, I can, we're glad. I, can, I can tell you. I can tell you some examples of how people well, we've, have reacted. We've heard them in previous <laughs> podcasts for sure. I have to meet people where they are, and that tells me everything I need to know about them. Jody was very quickly public. I was. She went for it. I was like, you know what? Just rip the band aid off. That's right. And um, that's right. I actually all in. I I loved it. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, It's a little unlike me. I'm a relatively private person, and as a therapist, I'm used to listening. I don't really talk that much about myself, and that is a comfort zone for me. But with this, it was too big. I had to disclose it. And and that's one of the things is we can listen to these stories that happen to people in the third person Mm -hmm. and talk about well. Why would he act like that in this situation? Ask yourself those same questions when you find yourself in the first person. So uh, I'm glad to hear that Erica had no issues with this. I I didn't anticipate she would. But I also didn't really appreciate how hard it was for Ben because I was so consumed by it. I wasn't as available to him. And he has been nothing but supportive, very, very helpful. And if it wasn't for him pushing for me to do this, I would never have even done the DNA test with my aunt to confirm any of this. I just would have sat on it and been frozen. And I never would have found Christina if he hadn't have pushed me to do it. But the byproduct of all of that was that I wasn't emotionally available for him. And that was something I hadn't considered. I was too myopic involved in my own experience of it. And this is something that that is, in one way or another, this is an itch you've been trying to scratch your entire life. Totally. totally. And, you know, you look at your childhood photos and which kid doesn't look like any of the other kids and why is that? And then you're finally getting answers, but it, it is it becomes all-consuming. I think the other part that was surprising for me was how other people reacted, friends and family, that there were a slew of insensitive remarks, a <laughs> lot of hostile remarks, even mostly from family that really took me by surprise. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea that that would come my way. Well, they and their people wanted to continue to manage the story for you. So they were now being put in a position that they had no choice but to accept. So, yeah. you know, they wanted you to do it on their time. Yes. Or Not or yours. just or just ignore it and pretend that it wasn't oh, happening. Yeah. And, and also tell don't any, tell anybody. Don't tell anybody, but you about your father. And what I heard most often was, "What does this really change? This doesn't really change anything." And my response to that universally was, "Of course, it changes everything. <laughs> you have no idea the impact it has on identity and." grief and everything. It turned my world completely upside down. And you're talking to an only child who now learns that she has a brother that she always wanted. That alone changes everything. And then I never expected that we would feel so close. Right. I thought that this would be 
just an ancillary connection that we would talk, maybe the same ways that you described how you talked with Tim over your lifespan. Right. It's a, a very, you know, polite and how's everything with you and talk to you next year. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But we've seen each other now in the flesh three times, and every time one of us leaves to go home, I feel so sad. It just, it, it uh, is really hard for me afterward because it, there's this giant hole, and it just feels so comfortable when we're together. As it turns out, we have a lot in common, not just <laughs> oh. kind of in the way that we were brought up, but in some personality traits totally. as well that, right. that make you go back to the nurture versus nature debate. Yes. <laughs> we can have a good time and compare notes and talk about things that don't necessarily have to do with the circumstances right. of our birth. That are irrelevant to that, but just everyday things. And that's the other part about siblings is the, the availability of like a, a brother or sister and you never know. Like when people turn away, I say, you might need them one day. You two, because of your history, have, you know, at least for you, Sean, be able to deal with some of the your story as well and, and with regard to Tim just by this happening. Oh, very, very much so. And I would say this has been, you know, and I, and I, I mentioned it to Jody and I've mentioned to my wife on multiple occasions what a, a great thing this has been for us, not just between Jody and I, but between Tim and I. Tim and right. I did not have, didn't have a bad relationship, just kind of, kind of, you know, how's everything going with you? Good. How's everything going there? Fine. All right. And no hard feelings, but right. there, you know, the connection has been gotten kind of strained over the years. With Jody entering the picture, it has brought us closer together. Uh, and I've talked to him more in the last, I don't know, two months than the previous two years. And in part, some of that is because he had another heart surgery. And part of the reason, you know, my wife and I discussed I need to go out there was not just in case this was going to be his last surgery, but maybe Jody doesn't need to go through this by herself. And that means so much to me that you did that and that you felt that way. Well, no, it's a big event. You know, Jody was... I'm, I'm yeah. underwater. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're also new on the scene in yeah. terms of, oh, yeah. so I've just met you and now I'm dealing with... Um, Your ultimate demise. Right, and, well, um, and a big... And that was uh, the yeah. thing is, is that... Tim was facing his second open-heart surgery in 10 months, and um, you're not supposed to do that. Right. <laughs> That's not how that's supposed to go, right. and here's Jody has just found her, her biological father, is building a relationship <laughs> oh with him, and now we're, we're entering in a, a surgery that, that could go south. It's not, not really fair for her to have to bear this burden of you know, have, uh, looking at losing a parent again. Right. Yeah. Right. That was surprisingly way harder than I expected, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> well, and also um, you became um, needed in that situation for Tim. So imagine that process happening without Jody there to help. Right. In his first surgery, he had called me about and said, you know, he, I think he had downplayed the, the severity of the heart valve that needed to be worked on. And I asked him, I said, do you need me to come out there? He said, no, no, I should be fine. I'm like, okay. And then he called me I should uh, be fine. after it was over, and I think he was, you know, they had him doped up like a racehorse after <laughs> surgery. But it, he came out of it fine, but his, his, he started having health problems, and, you know, he, he became more and more frail, and, and yeah. that's what 
short, long story short, why he needed another surgery. Yeah. Um, and, and Jody had met him how long after the, the first surgery? Well, like five months? Something like that. I think it was in yeah. March that he had it, and I met him in September. So Yeah, he was still uh, possibly recuperating. I don't think he's ever fully recovered from that fir- that first surgery. Between the first and second. Uh, when Erica and Connor and I came out, yeah, that was um, October. Well, yeah, you came out for Jacob's bar mitzvah. That was September of this year. And I hadn't seen Tim in like eight years at that point. And, you know, I, I was not prepared for, for you know, how diminished he looked. Just so the listeners know, he, he's doing much better and, and is gaining strength. and, and uh, Kind of coming back getting, to the land getting, of the living. Getting back to his old self a little bit. When you guys came out for Jacob's bar mitzvah, you guys were minor celebrities. And thankfully, according to Jacob, took some of the heat off of him because everybody... <laughs> Everybody was so excited to meet you guys and kind of the Jerry Springer soap opera that my life had become for a few months there that he didn't feel such in the limelight, and he was so thankful for that. <laughs> Please, it's Mari Povich, not Jerry Springer. I'm sorry. Um, it was weird because we were having people come up to us and, you know, oh, so you're the brother. Oh, you handled that well. Mm-hmm. With Tim, I said, you know, I have a lot of respect for the fact that you engaged stepped up responded and i say the same to you i i do i think it is it says a lot about you and um i have i do have a lot of respect for you but i had a feeling i had a feeling that you were going to be in hook line and sinker you know eric and i have, have talked about how you know even if we weren't related we enjoy each other's company yeah i feel and the same way not not that we would have necessarily met under any other circumstances but we like being together and we like being together as you know the the the, it's not just you and i enjoy each other's company i like ben and and y'all like erica it's a it's a nice it's a nice mix and and it's one of those things well we would be friends regardless i would i would like i think so too and i end up texting with erica as much as i end up texting with you i think more i think she was (laughs) She was out of control with the texting last night. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I asked her at one point if you were in trouble. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what did he do wrong today? <laughs> I, was just, I was just doing that to get a reaction. Well, you know, she started, I can't believe you're doing I'm telling your sister. And uh, that's, that's what kicked all that off. That's her big threat now is I'm going to tell your sister you said that. Well, I actually have this article I found. Right now, Christina is trolling my Ancestry site, where she's found a birth announcement my fake grandparents had posted in their Pennsylvania newspaper. They're my fake grandparents because they were my birth certificate dad's parents, and I was never related to those people. There was an article written um, talking about them coming home after a delightful three weeks with their son and daughter-in-law in Corte Madera. The local residents traveled by Amtrak for the baptism of the new addition to the family. They traveled 600 miles to administer the holy rite in the... I can't even read it. It's so hard. Uh, The birth announcements were sent by the happy parents were quite unique. Um, I'll say. Yeah, (laughs) because they had... Well, they they looked really good. Maybe that was to make up the fact that the information was invalid. It was invalid, yes. (laughs) That Jody was, in fact, a bastard. (laughs) Oh, she was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, so maybe that's enough on my crazy life, huh? I am so glad that we had you, who was a positive role model on how to respond in the event, that, you know, in an event like this. I try to be a positive role model. After all else fails, I will be a positive 
role model. <laughs> yeah, I think our story is one that ends up well. Everybody is pretty happy. Yeah. And, and it's unusual. It, it's, yes, yeah, it's not it's always unusual. the case. It's not always that the case. There, there is nobody with, with a whole bunch of axes to grind over, over this Mm-mm. with us. Right. No. Yeah, it's worked out really well. So let's try and figure out some more ways that we can have more suffering bastards. I agree. All right. I also want to take the opportunity to thank Christina, whose hard work made this possible. Oh, well, I was happy to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being on the podcast. It was my pleasure. I love you, brother. Love you, sister. Talk to you all soon. We hoped you liked this episode, and if you did, please give it a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. If you want to get in touch with Christina or me, you can find us at sexliesandthetruth.com. I'm Jody Klugman-Rab. Thanks for listening. If you are a fan of Sex, Lies, and the Truth and want to support us, you can do that through Patreon. Patreon is a really cool platform where fans of shows like ours can pledge a small amount each month even just a few dollars, to support the show. You can find us there at www.patreon.com forward slash sex lies and the truth.